Happy are the merciful. You are the salt and light. Be happy in Jesus. The attitudes, there is only one in which the challenge and the reward are the same. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 7. And we find the words of Jesus as he articulates this first sermon that we have recorded. And it says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. If you memorized it like I did, blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. With that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word and for your truth. Speak to us today through the power of your spirit. Illuminate the truth of your word and help us to be people who are merciful so that we ultimately may be shown mercy. In your name. Amen. Jesus was a master teacher. He was confronted by a man who was a teacher, an expert in the law. And and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what does the law say? And he said, well, the law says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. And our neighbor as ourself. We're to love our neighbor as ourself. And Jesus says, man, you've answered right. Do this and you'll live. But it says in Luke 10 that after he gave his answer, seeking to justify himself, he asked the question, who is my neighbor? So Jesus told the story. A man was traveling down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And it is a trip down as you come off the exalted hills of Jerusalem and come down into Jericho. And as he's traveling along, he is confronted by robbers who beat him and strip him and leave him half dead after robbing him of his goods. And then a priest comes by. A guy who would have known that we are to love the Lord our God and our neighbor as ourself. Who had probably no doubt on many occasions been in the synagogue teaching that we are to love God and we are to love our neighbors. But when he saw the man half dead, he crossed to the other side. Then Jesus says a Levite comes by and a Levite again, one who would have worked in the synagogue and been an aide and and one who'd ministered alongside the priest and he comes down the the same road and he sees this man who is half dead and instead of helping, he crosses to the other side. And then Jesus goes completely off the rails when he says, and then... A Samaritan. 
Now understand that the Jewish culture and the Jewish heritage was one in which they exalted themselves as being purely Jewish, a Jewish mom and a Jewish dad coming together and keeping their family in a very Jewish culture. But since 722 BC, when the Assyrians came into the 10 northern tribes and 586, when the Babylonians came in, there had been many Jews who had married Gentiles along the way. And they despised, the Jewish people despised their offspring. They were called Samaritans. They were half-breeds. And so as this expert in the law is listening to Jesus teach, Jesus says, and then the Samaritan comes down. And the Samaritan shows compassion on the man and he bandages up and puts oil on his wounds and he takes him to an inn and he takes him to an inn and then he tells the innkeeper, look, I'm going to leave you some money and take care of him and I'll be back in a couple days and if it costs any more to take care of him, then I will pay you more money. I'm going, I, I want to see this guy taken care of. I want to meet his needs. And Jesus then asked this expert in the law, which one of these was the neighbor? And it's interesting how this expert in the law responds. He doesn't say the Samaritan. He says, the one who showed mercy. And there, that word mercy is used. When we think about mercy... It is rescuing the helpless and showing uh, benevolence to those that are needy. It's a picture of being charitable. It is a picture of being forgiving. And, and it really is this. It is a picture of compassion in action. It is a picture that says, look, our, our heart is moved, but not only is our heart moved, but our action is there to follow so that we're going to follow through with merciful activities. Now, in the Roman culture in the first century, mercy was not a prized attribute. Mercy was actually looked down upon. Instead, the people of that day were to be strong and disciplined and proud. And if somebody was hurting, it would be better to kind of rub their, their nose than to show a helping hand. That was a sign of weakness in that culture. To show mercy was completely out of their realm of what they desired to do. Instead, it's about how strong and powerful and who, how can I exalt myself and Rise up with great pride, not bend and help those who are weak. So mercy was frowned upon as a virtue in the first century. And then Jesus comes on the scene. And remember what Jesus has just said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those that have poverty in spirit, that they recognize that they can't get to heaven and they can't get into a right relationship with God on their own. They're poor in their own heart and in their own life, and they desperately need someone to intercede for them, and that's why Jesus came. And blessed are those who mourn, that they feel this grief and repentance and godly sorrow that produces repentance over their poor uh, poverty in spirit. Blessed are the 
poor and blessed are those who mourn. Then he says, and blessed are the humble or the meek who are submissive to God's will and God's work in their life. They are, they are like a horse that has been broken. They still have strength, but they are, they have strength that is under control of the Lord. And with the slightest pull of the reins and the slightest leading of God's word and God's will and God's spirit, they're willing to move. And then he says, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That they have a hunger for the things of God. And now, after Jesus takes these four internal attributes of being poor in spirit and mourning and uh, being meek or humble before the Lord and hungering and thirsting after righteousness, he now is going to turn and say, this here is the first external symbol of one who is a follower of God. Everything has been on the inside. We're poor in spirit. And in our spiritual poverty, we look to the Lord so that we can be one who has the kingdom of heaven. We mourn in this sense of repentance so that we can be comforted. We are meek and humble before the Lord so that we can inherit the earth. We hunger and thirst for righteousness so that we know that we will be filled. The Lord has worked on the inside, the inside, the inside, the inside. And now he says, and this is how you as believers are to live. Blessed are the merciful. The first external characteristic that Jesus points to in the Beatitudes is mercy. Compassion in action. Charitable benevolence. Rescuing the helpless. Coming alongside to hurt, to help the hurting. And then he makes not only the challenge, but that sense of the reward with it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's interesting, and as we get in, this is what we're going to find out. As we experience God's mercy and we express God's mercy, God gives us more mercy. That's that's what this, this beatitude is telling us. Blessed are the merciful. As we come to know and experience his mercy and express his mercy, then he says, You're gonna you're gonna obtain or you're gonna receive more mercy. And can I tell you? We need mercy. We need it. And so Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. As we think about this aspect of blessed are the merciful that he shares in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 7, we first off think about the importance of experiencing God's mercy in our life. If we're going to be merciful people, it's going to be because we first have experienced this mercy in our life. So merciful people this way are going to be merciful this way because they have received mercy this way. And so we find that the foundation of God's mercy is his love. As we think of God's love, it is this wide, uh, vast virtue that the Lord shows upon us. And one of the aspects of that awesome virtue of God's love is his mercy. Now, 
As we think of mercy and we think of how this is articulated in Scripture, it reminds us after looking at us in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 and showing how we are sinful and how we are by nature children of wrath, we find that Paul then writes that we, uh, as, as we come, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. God is rich in mercy because of his love. So that the foundation of God's mercy is his love. Now his love can extend to this sense and we can abide and have a relationship. But when God wants to show us compassion and action, when we are hurting and we need help, the Lord can pour out his mercy and that mercy flows from his love. Can I tell you, God never runs out of mercy and God never runs out of love. It is part of the characteristic of who God is. So we see the foundation of God's mercy is his love. But ultimately for us, we find that the demonstration of God's mercy is the cross. If you want to look at an example of God's mercy, and we know that Jesus had people come up and cry out, Son of David, have mercy on us, and he would heal the blind. But can I tell you, the greatest act of mercy that we find in all of Scripture is that picture of Jesus dying on the cross for us. Hebrews chapter 2 picks it out for us as it says this in Hebrews chapter 2 in verse number 17. Listen what it says. It says, therefore, Jesus, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so he could become a merciful and faithful high priest. So Jesus, in Hebrews 2.17, is a merciful and a faithful high priest. But not only was Jesus the merciful and faithful high priest, it says he was a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God, to make atonement for the sins of his people. What did this merciful and faithful high priest do? He offered a sacrifice. And can I tell you, out of his mercy, the high priest, Jesus, not only was the high priest, he was the sacrifice. See, sometimes we think that to show mercy means to ignore sin. Oh, we'll just overlook that. We'll show mercy... But, but understand that when we look at God, we find that God never ignores sin because God cannot ignore truth. And God cannot deny his own justice. And so what we find is the great act of mercy that Jesus shows is that he stands as a merciful and faithful high priest who presents a perfect offering. And the offering happens to be himself so that he is the propitiation for our sin. So Jesus, as the merciful and faithful high priest, offers himself as the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for our sin, because God had to pay for the sin, or God had to punish the sins of people because he is absolutely just. So that we have the holiness of God and the mercy of God and the justice of God and the love of God all intertwined as we come to the cross. Come to the cross. The demonstration of God's mercy is the cross. Do you ever wonder if life's getting challenging? Does God really have mercy and love on me? Can I tell you? 
God has already answered that question for your life. As you face challenges in your life, don't say, man, I'm going through a hard time and, and uh, man, I'm, I'm physically, maybe I was diagnosed with cancer or I've lost my job. Does God really love me? Listen, God has already settled the I love you question. I'm showing mercy to you question. He did that on the cross. So don't doubt his love through the circumstances of life. Matter of fact, not only did he die on the cross, but, but after the resurrection, he promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So that we understand his payment on the cross and we understand and experience his presence through the spirit. But then the reception of God's mercy is salvation. And that's where we come in and have to take this step. To say, am I going to receive God's mercy? And I do that through salvation so that Titus would remind us that it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy or by his mercy, he saved us, Titus 3, 5. You couldn't do enough good to wash your sins away. You couldn't do enough good things to make, put you in right standing with God. You couldn't do enough good things to earn heaven on your own. God sent Jesus. And Jesus, as the high priest and the atoning sacrifice, died on the cross and rose again and paid the price and took the penalty for our sin. And he rose again from the dead and now offers us the free gift of salvation. And when we receive salvation, we experience the fullness of God's mercy. A man named William Knoll in 1895 was a teacher at Moody Bible Institute. He was teaching through the book of Romans. And as he was teaching through the book of Romans, he just began to be overwhelmed with this thought of what Jesus had done for him. And he scribbled some words down on the back of an envelope. And he gave it to his friend Daniel Towner. And then he went into class to teach. And when, an hour later, he came back. His friend had put the words to music. I was supposed to be here last week when we sang it. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary, a picture of sin. Then he gives a, a verse on the law. By God's word, at, at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurn till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Sin, law, a verse on salvation. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary, and then a verse of praise. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. At Calvary, scratched out on the back of an envelope as he's teaching through the book of Romans. What words 
What words that we have experienced in our life. That mercy was great and his grace was free. The importance of experiencing God's mercy. But then we move and talk about the importance of expressing God's mercy. Because he says, blessed are the merciful. So first we have to experience, there's the vertical experience, then there's the horizontal expression of that experience in our life. We really can't fully appreciate and express mercy to others until we have experienced and appreciate the mercy that God has shown to us. Notice, blessed are the merciful. He's calling us here in this section that we are to be people who are merciful. So we see the application. How am I to show mercy to others? Let me give you a couple of thoughts. By showing benevolence and kindness and forgiveness. Don't you find it interesting in our day, especially uh, during COVID and all the craziness that's going on, a waitress messes up an order and somebody just blows up. Somebody makes a mistake in traffic and there's road rage. An umpire umpiring a little league baseball game. I mean, we're talking little league. And parents go absolutely berserk. Can, can I just tell something? I know many of you probably are now in that grandparent stage and some of your parents as well. There are 30 professional baseball teams that have a roster of 26 people, all right? That means that there's less than 800 professional baseball players. Let's just get over the fact that our kids and grandkids are probably not going to be professional baseball players. And if they are, it could be the worst thing in the world for them spiritually anyway. Okay? I mean, understand that. I mean, there are parents that have, have decided that baseball is going to be their God now because they're trying to live vicariously through their kids and now sports takes them out every weekend. They don't have any time, more time for the Lord. I'll just tell you, chances are, you know, your little slugger, not going to happen, all right? You're a whole lot better off investing spiritually into that child's life. So as we think about this application of kindness and benevolence and charity and forgiveness, again, I I mentioned, I I think as we move into the month of July, hey, let's, let's show and let's give. Let's give to the Missouri Baptist Children's Home as they're on the front lines of human trafficking and helping unwed mothers and, and walking through that process. Let's come alongside Sparrow's Nest and, and help them in, in the challenges that they're facing. Let's come alongside Connect and let's support and encourage life and taking care of the physical needs of people. Those are ways that you can do that through charity and benevolence and showing kindness And then just in general, as we're out in culture, showing kindness and benevolence. And even sometimes for an overwhelmed waitress to show mercy. 
when she was the only one who showed up and now she's got eight tables to bus or to take care of and then probably bus afterwards. You could survive just for a couple more minutes of sucking on that ice and not having your Coke refilled, all right? It's going to be okay. The application. But let's look at this application in terms of forgiveness as well. One of the ways that we can show mercy is through forgiveness. That is one of the ways God showed his mercy toward us and that he offered forgiveness through Christ for us. Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 was asked by Peter, and this was a serious question. Jesus, if a brother or sister sins against me, messes up seven whole times. I mean, Jesus, we're talking seven times. I don't know about you, but man, I've gotten tussles with my brothers when we were younger. That seven times was just a normal day, many, many weeks. Seven times. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's about 70 times seven. Now, he's not saying, okay, 490, one, two, three, four, five, one, two. He's, he's, not, he's, not, he's not saying, let's, let's keep a count here. And then Jesus gives a story about uh, a man who owes uh, his master 10,000 talents. Now, listen, a talent is about 20 years worth of wages. 20 years worth of wages. And he owes 10,000 of them. All right? So you take salary times 20 times 10,000, and you look at the cost of that. Okay? I mean, you could be in the billions of dollars here. And then he has no way to repay. He says, oh, I'm going to repay. But the master... Forgives him. And he goes out, and the first thing he does is he goes, finds his buddy who owes him, probably in today's terms, between ten dollars and $20,000. After he has been forgiven this inestimable amount, and he finds a buddy who owes him ten, twenty grand, and going to have him thrown into prison. And what we are reminded is that when we look at how much we have been forgiven and how much mercy we have received, then we need to apply that and show mercy as well. There's the application. But what is the motivation? If I'm really going to do this, if I'm really going to go after it, if I'm really going to say I'm going to be a man or woman who wants to forgive, and, and I'm going to say, God, I, I want to be this person who is merciful so that I can obtain mercy, what does this look like? Well, take your Bibles and, and look with me in Romans chapter 12. Because in Romans 12, after dealing with 11 chapters of doctrine, and dealing with the sin of man, and the salvation that comes through Jesus. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, these are familiar verses. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the 
mercies of God. Now, in view of God's mercy, that's what the first 11 chapters of Romans has been about. How God has bestowed his mercy on our life through salvation. Now, brothers and sisters, now that you have received this mercy, in view of these mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. What's he saying? He's saying out of God's mercy that we need to present ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. That's our act of worship. And then we can't be conformed to the world, but we need to live a life that has been transformed by the mercy of God so that we don't go into the mold of the Roman world or of today's United States world of saying, look, I don't need to show mercy. It's not about mercy, it's about how strong I am and how disciplined I am and how much I've accomplished and look, I've pulled myself up by my own bootstraps and look how proud I am of myself. He says, don't get into that kind of mold. Instead, out of God's mercy for your life, don't be conformed, but be transformed as your mind is renewed and then let it show out in your actions. Be merciful. There's that application. I need to be a person of mercy. That motivation is not even, listen, God doesn't even point to the person and say, you ought to be merciful because this person you might touch. Well, some people you might touch and they might be very grateful for it. Can I tell you? There may be other people that you are merciful to that they show absolutely nothing to you. Years ago when I was uh, in college, I worked at a grocery store. And there's some dude, and I was uh, taking somebody's groceries out to their car and bringing it back in. And there's this dude who walks away from his car, and his car starts rolling. And I'm closer than he is. And so, man, I took off running after his car, and I jumped in the front seat of his car, and I hit the brakes, and I stopped the car... And that dude, he was the most ungrateful person I had ever met in my life. I thought, man, I could have just let that thing hit something. You know, that can be our attitude at times when people don't respond to our mercy in ways that we expect. But we're not doing it for them. We're ultimately doing it for him and understanding and recognizing, listen, not only the application and the motivation, but the result. What is the result? Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. They will obtain mercy. This doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get mercy from other people, though you may. It does mean that God will show mercy. In James chapter 2 and verse number 13, James, as he is writing, he says this, judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. I think what James is driving home is, is, is that if once you've received mercy and you show mercy, that's going to be your action. That's going to be how you live. But to the one who doesn't show mercy, he's going to receive mercy Uh, He's going to receive judgment without mercy. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God in judgment without mercy. That just doesn't sound like a safe place to be. That I know myself well enough that I, I don't want to rely on my own goodness and my, my own faithfulness and my own moral character when it comes to standing before the judgment of God. So he says, listen, you're going to face judgment without mercy if you don't show mercy. But then he reminds us at the end of that verse that mercy is going to triumph over judgment. And that is the word for believers. That as we receive mercy and we show mercy, blessed are the merciful, that we're going to receive more mercy, they will obtain mercy. And with that, let's pray. I don't know where you are today and I don't know what's going on in many of your lives, but I do know this. The Lord Jesus provides mercy. And if you have never received his mercy, it is the greatest gift you will ever receive. That mercy says, I can forgive you of all of your sins. I will take the punishment of all the things that you have ever thought or said or done that is wrong. I can adopt you and bring you into my family and provide the presence of my spirit in your life. You can have a new life. If you've never experienced the mercy of Jesus in salvation today, I invite you. Come to Jesus. I would guess across our worship center this morning, many of you say, you know, I have received mercy. I have trusted the Lord Jesus for salvation. And my challenge to you today is this. Will you be a man or woman, a student who shows mercy? In a culture that is riotous, that is impatient, that is violent, and that is vile. Will you show mercy? This afternoon when you go to lunch, will you show mercy? This week, as you're in your neighborhood, will you show mercy? Mercy without judgment comes to those who don't show mercy. So I pray that we'll be people of mercy. And Lord Jesus, as we have these next couple of moments just to reflect on what we have heard this morning, make us, shape us to be people of mercy. In your name.